Alrighty, and I am avoiding legal snags by telling you that you're being recorded. Okay, even though you sort of mumbled it, I agree and commit. Sorry, I, I wasn't trying to be clandestine about it. I was just uh, mumbling it because, you know, it's a formality at this point. Yeah, we but, to do this podcast together. Although I think we ha- did miss uh, the last week and we didn't we missed a Patriots uh, pregame podcast. That's true. And we missed the, the trade. So let's uh, launch right in here. Welcome back to the Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, Zach. Holy water, Darboloff. Alongside me, as always, from New Hampshire, Davey, the gravy train, Gurton. How is the fine north on this Halloween eve? Fine north is a lovely, blustery, a bit rainy eve, but it's a beautiful night. As always, the uh, fall peak foliage peeping was amazing every day. And uh, it, we're, we're a little bit out now. It was crazy how many leaves are all over my lawn, all over my deck. I'm, all I got is rakes right now, so I got my work cut out for me. Going to have to borrow a friend's uh, leaf blower, that's for show. Yeah, it's been breezy out there as well, so oh, yeah. hope everyone's having a safe and fun Halloween. Um, We've got a lot of news for you here because we missed a couple weeks. I was off in San Diego last week in the sun. So we haven't really talked about a lot, a bunch of pieces of news that are coming up, including two Patriots wins, although we'll probably mostly talk about the Browns game here. Um, and then we're going to shoot through the rest of the sports here because there actually is a bunch of news going on. Patriot or uh, Sox hired a GM. Celtics and Bruins are underway in the regular season. So let's get into it. Um, off the top, let's talk about the incoming Patriot wide, re- wide receiver Mohamed Sanu, acquired via trade. He actually played on Sunday night's game. I believe he had three yep. catches. Yep. And what do you think, David? First thoughts? I love it. I think he is, is a great piece. Uh, he, he seems like a smart, versatile veteran receiver, a guy that I believe Tom Brady is going to be able to try to trust pretty pretty quickly. And uh, their lockers are close together. That's a good sign. Um, he's been a quarterback in the past, so you know Belichick loves those types of guys. And uh, I was just thinking today, like, you know, why not use Mohamed Sanu as your fake Lamar Jackson in practice this week? Um I guess the only reason you wouldn't do that is because he still has such a long way to go before he's really integrated into the offense. So he needs that at his primary position first. But eventually the gadget plays that this team is going to be able to run are going to be awesome. And we know they've been saving up the playbook, all those those fun things for you know the end of the season and the postseason. And so I think we have a lot to look forward to with this guy. That's right. We have two ex-quarterbacks on the roster, which... You know, Josh McDaniels is just salivating at the thought Three. of it, so that's exciting. If you read, uh, Jacoby Myers played quarterback as well. Oh, I didn't even know that, actually, because he was a wide receiver predominantly in college, correct? Or I'm yeah, just totally I, think was, on that. I think he was a star quarterback in high school. Oh, oh. Yeah, I think it's exciting. I think he adds a different element. Um, you know, the big sort of side news from the – Sanu acquiring is that Josh Gordon is gone. He was effectively released. Um, they IR'd him more or less for salary cap reasons. It was kind of a weird thing. I don't really understand it. Um, I think 
Josh hasn't really played up to expectations this year. He's kind of flashed on a lot of plays. He's just not there. It really feels like um, he's done the little things well, but he's really been outshone by Philip Dorsett for the most part. Um, and I think Sanu is more the type of receiver that Tom Brady succeeds with. If Josh Gordon isn't going to be the physical freak that he was, you know, seven years ago. Right. And I think that with the drafting of Nikhil Harry, Josh Gordon became a little bit more redundant as far as the skill set went. Um, and so the Patriots could kind of afford to, you know, not cut him, but, but, uh, designate him for IR, which became free agency today. So uh, a team, I imagine some team is going to claim him and his $1 million salary, and then the Patriots will save a little bit against the cap for that reason. But all of this is just like some extra wiggle room. The trade deadline has come and gone, and Patriots didn't really do anything at the trade deadline. Sanu came about a week or so before the trade, trade deadline, but that was the big move. So... I guess, what what do you save this extra wiggle room cap for anyways? Restructuring of contracts? I think there may be some players that could get cut that the Patriots might be interested in. I honestly think the roster is really solid and a little bit of wiggle room, a wiggle room, a little bit of wiggle room is just always good to have in case of injury. You know, you never know what's going to happen. God forbid something happens that we need to use enough cap to sign someone fairly significant. Um, you know, you really hope that doesn't happen. It, it could even be, you know, multiple players. I think it, it's still fairly early in the season. Um, so I think that's kind of what you save it for is just the stretch run. It's something Bill Belichick always does. There's always space after the cap and he always makes moves after the trade deadline. Um, and one of the things I'm most excited for though, in terms of additions Speaking of sort of the quiet trade deadline is that Isaiah Wynn and Nikhil Harry kind of who both plug sort of the biggest holes that people were talking about the Patriots possibly being trading for. I mean, they did trade for a wide receiver, I guess, Um, but they didn't trade for kind of a bigger target. Like a lot of people had linked them to an AJ Green before Stefan Diggs kind of got comfortable again in Minnesota. There were rumors about that. So I think that, they went for Sanu and released Gordon shows that they expect Harry to be back and healthy. And I'm a little worried about Isaiah Wynn, just given his situation. You know, I think his injury probably has to do with the fact that he is coming off a super serious injury suffered last year. Uh, So I just worry about fitness with him and hopefully the time off was helpful in that sense to kind of get him into shape where his body can take it. Well, it's, it was turf toe that he was dealing with when. So I think rest is really the only thing you can do for that. And so, you know, he gets basically half a season off. And he did look really good early season before he went on IR. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and Harry, I think it's funny. He was, he's been practicing. Um, when returned and started practicing today. And uh, Harry, they have never really been showing him off during the media access portions of practice. So the Patriots are being kind of cagey about where he's at, which I think is a good sign. Um, Maybe they're trying to, you know, save him for the playoffs, much like they're saving some some of their playbook. You know, I think it's kind of interesting what the Patriots have done this season, playing around with their IR spots a little bit. 
And in a way, it's come back to bite them with the Devlin injury, but I don't even know if Devlin would be able to come back anyway, um, given the severity of his injury. Well, right, but well, even hypothetically. Yeah. Um, in in I, my understanding, it was never a consideration as far as his injury went. I don't think that they were trying to get him to return. You know, a turf toe and a hamstring sprain are both things that, you know, you can carry someone on the roster through three or four weeks for. And this is an example of the Patriots saying, we're just going to make sure that we get through the first half of the season. We want those guys back in the second half rather than having them come back too early and then break down again by the end of the season. I think it's really smart. And, you know, it's hard for Harry. I think it's got to be frustrating as a wide receiver to watch them play and, you know, know they need a playmaker and also not be able to develop time with Tom Brady. But he's had two weeks now back at practice, and I think we're going to see him on Sunday. Yeah, I, I would hope so. I don't, and then Wynn is not eligible to play until after the Eagles game, right? So that's like uh, November 24th, I think, Isaiah Wynn is eligible to return. Um, but, yeah, those guys, I think, do plug up the biggest real gaps on this team so far. Left tackle position. If we can get a, a reliable guy there, it's going to make a big difference because Marshall Newhouse is struggling, and that much is apparent to anyone. But the uh, Ben Watson edition also has proven that it does have some wheels. It, it can go. Um, I think Ben and Tom have a great connection. And uh, I think because of that success factor and because Matt Lacoste has also returned to practice, Eric Tomlinson was cut. So he had a one-week stay in New England. And then uh, we also surprisingly... Well, I guess maybe not that surprisingly, but we cut kicker Mike Nugent. So it's kind of a, a revolving door here of kickers with the Patriots at this point. Speaking of roster spots and being thin and, you know, not having enough room, no wiggle room there because Gostowski's done for the season. Um, so surprisingly, even though Matt Bryant was cut and he was potentially an option, Nick Folk became the choice. Um, Nick Folk has a big leg. He hit a 55-yarder in the AAF recently, or as Belichick calls it, the World League. And he had a pretty <laughs> illustrious career as a kicker, but a lot of people just remember him for missing three kicks in one game. That's kind of like his uh, unfortunate legacy of, of being remembered as a player. So. We'll see what he's got. Uh, Belichick has not really praised him or anything yet. He, he hasn't really uh, said anything about Nick Folk's ability other than that he worked out. They worked they worked him out before signing him. Surprise there. And uh, that was the most important thing in determining if, if they should sign him. And so they said they needed a change. And see you later, Ted Nugent. And welcome Nick Folk. Yeah, I mean... Nick Folk was a better kicker than Mike Nugent ever was. He's pretty old, I think. Um, I'm always skeptical of any kicker that's not in the NFL, but, you know, it's probably not going to be worse than old Mike Ted Nugent. So I'm, I'm fine with it. Let's, uh, let's move on from the personnel news because... Yeah. Uh, He's only kicker. 34, Zach. Nick Folk's all nearly 30. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So he really he had a, a bright flame and then burned out quickly, I guess. 
Um, I mean, anyway, let's be picks in the game, and you're pretty much uh, the goat in the bad way. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to our actual game review here. Uh, now that we've gone through the news, starting off with our standout player of the game, David. Who was your standout player? My standout player of the game, I have to say, it was LG Lawrence Guy, who had an unforgettable play. It was just hilariously blown up. This. Stupid little shovel pass play that the, the Browns were trying out that apparently the Patriots hadn't even seen that play, weren't specifically planning for it, but LG just blew it up and grabbed the interception. Also had a pass deflection and four tackles, and I thought the inside with he and Adam Butler really forced Chubb to go outside, and uh, still, obviously, Chubb churned a, quite a bit of yardage to the outside, but I think they were really establishing a good presence right up the middle the whole game. Who's your standout player, Zach? I had uh, the big man number 54, Donta Hightower. I am going, you know, this is a trend. I think last time I had Stefan. Now I'm going to get, do Dante because I think the big names in this defense, we have been underappreciating appreciating them a little bit. Dante Hightower was so good in this game. He had, obviously he had the touchdown, um, but he was everywhere. And he really makes the life of a quarterback miserable with his ability to blitz in different ways and do different things and command the defense. I think it's amazing that a player like him still has such a big role. Like there's not a lot of middle linebackers that are built like him that are, are still survive in the league. And I think it speaks to his talent as a player and Bill Belichick's skill as a coach in order to turn him into, you know, I mean, he's still the best linebacker on this team, I think. And he's still the guy who he might not make the sack, but he's the guy who picks up the guy that allows a free run at the quarterback. You know, like he's the guy who's in the right spot every time. And it's, he makes the defense go in a really cool way. And I've just been trying to watch him a little bit more and appreciate him. And yeah, so that's why he's my stand-up player. Green dot, right? Yeah. And he got a touchdown this week and it was awesome. He sure did. It sure was. Yeah. Patriots defense, the boogeymen, as the linebacker core is calling themselves, really leaning into that this Halloween. There's a lot of good boogeymen artwork and everything. Dante is loving it. <laughs> he looks like a boogeyman with his dreadlocks. Yeah, he does. He's a pretty uh, fearsome force out there on the, the field. I was going to say, um, in my opinion, I yeah. think Jamie Collins looks like he's the best linebacker out there this year. But I know what you're saying, and I, I do have much respect for Dante. And, you know, they're they're up there one, two, I would say. But I think Jamie Collins, I mean, he's not playing as many snaps. And I think he's the guy who's being put in position to make the flashy plays. And he's making them. Like, I want to give him credit. He's been yeah, awesome. Yeah. But the the down to down presence of Hightower, I think, is just I think he's probably the second or third most important player on our defense behind Gilmore and arguably Devin McCourty, who's amazing. Yep. Captain. Nine yeah, years. Exactly. Sure our Patriots Hall of Famer. Oh, no doubt. Yep. Let's move on to trend watch here, uh, where we're watching the two negative trends. The first yep. being our left tackle play, Marshall Newhouse, has been struggling. Obviously, we mentioned Isaiah Wynn is eligible to return in two weeks. So yep. hopefully Marshall well, can plug the gap until then. Two, right. two games, but then you also yeah, get yeah, our yeah. bye week in there. Oh, 
I forgot that our bye week was after two more games. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, – and Shaq Mason, a little dinged up. Are you a little yeah. worried about the offensive line at this point, David? Shaq uh, is more than a little banged up. He missed most of last game. When when James Ferentz is in there, a guard, you got Ferentz and Ted Karras and Marshall Newhouse all in there. Joe Tooney is still the boss, and he is in there every play. And Marcus Cannon has actually seemed pretty durable this year. So those guys are, are I can definitely trust, but, you know, the – we're down to some some backups of some backups at this point on the offensive line. So that is a concerning trend. Yeah, it's a little grim. I'd say when coming back is really, really important. And ultimately, I think the silver lining is that this is happening now. And we still have half the season, if you include the bye week, to get ready for the playoffs, um, you know, like your first playoff game, you're basically halfway to there from the start of the regular season. If you assume the Patriots are going to get a first round by, which uh, it seems pretty impossible for them not to at this point. Um, then, you know, maybe there's time for Newhouse to find something he didn't know he had. I don't know. <laughs> you know, Dante's worked miracles before, I guess. That's like kind of what I'm saying is, there's enough time left to have faith in him. Yeah. Dante has worked miracles. One uh, one fun storyline that I'm going to jump to real quick before we get into what record did Tom Brady set this week is that Dante Scarnecchia was there during Bill Belichick's first win. Dante Scarnecchia was the offensive line coach of the Patriots when Bill Belichick was the head coach of the Browns and beat the Patriots for his first ever win. Oh, that's incredible. Right. And he's still coaching the offensive line to this day. Amazing. What, what a guy. He is the GOAT of offensive line or any position coaches, potentially. Yeah, he's he's truly incredible. Um, all right, well, let's move on to Tom Brady because yeah. he set a record this week. He, um, he, he now has seven, seven streaks of 10 or more wins in a row, which is an NFL record for a quarterback. Um, and I think that's pretty wild. That means that, you know, his team has been that good that many times, um, which is, you know, something to write home about, I'd say. It's a testament, just yet another testament to the greatness of this Patriots dynasty. It's very, and to the greatness of Tom Brady. And they do give the wins statistic to the starting quarterback, generally. And uh, they give the wins to the coach. And nobody else really gets the wins, you know, for whatever reason as their stat. But I was curious enough, because Bill Belichick got his 300th win this week against the Browns, I wanted to see how many of those has Tom Brady gotten. And uh, he is now at 245 wins all time, regular and postseason. So, you know, the Patriots are only halfway through the season. You would think it's pretty much guaranteed that he's going to get at least 250 by the end of the regular season. And then the rest of it is pretty much gravy on top of that. I mean, it's already a record that he owns. And one of these records that Tom Brady breaks every single week because he wins every week. It's true. We got to remember that he's always breaking his own records, which is, you know, that's that's tough to do as a human because your your biggest competitor is always yourself. That's um, right. <laughs> another interesting note. Shoes, 
Yeah, the, yeah, go for it. The franchise that originally drafted Tom Brady, even before the Patriots drafted Tom Brady, the Montreal Expos at the time, has finally won the World Series for the first time in franchise history. They're now known as the Washington Nationals, and they won it in seven games. So had they had Tom Brady, there's a lot of what-ifs. We could get into the what-ifs and probably go all night on those. Like, obviously, they would probably have won, what, six championships by now? Six World Series, I would say? They would probably still be in Montreal, too, and selling out every game. Yeah, poor Tom would have to live in Montreal. Well, it's it's a good thing he decided not to. (laughs) It was an interesting season because at the beginning of the season, there was some talk about the Tampa Bay Rays you know, splitting time in Montreal or moving to Montreal. And at the end of it, it's that franchise that wins it all. Did you watch any of the World Series, Chuck? Uh, yeah, it was a great World Series. I really enjoyed it. I watched a good chunk of it. Um, well, not really. Like, it was on where I was a lot because I was at restaurants. So I watched a good chunk of it. And I watched last night. It's fun. They're a good team, the Nationals. But they could yep. really use Tom Brady. Game sevens are fun. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, some notable storylines, not World Series related. Um, I think one of the most interesting things this season in terms of a storyline is the defensive play caller and more specifically who's doing it and that the Patriots are purposely trying to be cagey about it. Um, What do you think, David? Who do you think is calling the plays on defense? I think that it's such a well-oiled machine that they all know the play calls and that they, they have it all down to a science where if depending on the situation it's automatically a specific play call but i also think that they are all wearing uh these headsets and they can say anything they and they probably have this code system of saying a quick thing that means this is the play so i'm sure it's a combination of belichick and mayo and steve belichick and uh i think it was hilarious in the most recent game against the browns that the commentating booth was trying to figure out who was calling the plays. Uh, it, was, it was wonderful. I think they were like, oh, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, Gerard Mayo. And then they cut to him and he wasn't even wearing his headset. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's not really important who's calling the plays, I don't think. They're a really well-coached team. And I think in some games, they aren't really even calling that many plays. So, like... The past two weeks, they've kind of just played pretty basic sets on defense and let the offense dictate what they're doing um, in a really effective way. And that's what you can do when you have as much talent as they do. Um, So obviously that's something that most teams can't. And we're lucky that we get to watch that. So I think, you know, it's probably all of them at times. And I think they might even switch it up because they all can do it. You know, all three of them, Steve, Bill, and Gerard. And they forced a turnover on three consecutive plays against Cleveland, that defense. And it was absolutely, as you can imagine, the tide turner as far as momentum goes. You don't see that every day. Yeah, I mean, the three consecutive turnovers, it's honestly like it's, I almost feel bad for other teams. <laughs> the Chubb, the ch- second Chubb fumble was such a classic Patriots turnover. Um, and 
it's great. You know, I love seeing oh, the, the yeah, hustle plays. Yeah, or a 40-something yard run that's capped off by a chase down punch out and a fumble that's recovered by the Patriots. That is a classic Patriots play. Ben, don't break, baby. Yeah, truly, truly impressive hustle too there from Jonathan Jones. Um, so as you mentioned also before, another notable storyline, Bill Belichick got his 300th win. Um, Bill Belichick obviously coached the Cleveland Browns. They were the first team to give him a head coaching gig. They fired him before moving to Baltimore. And he's always held that grudge. And so it was very satisfying to watch that win. Um, and he is, you know, a legend. 300 wins is incredible. The GOAT. Only three coaches have ever gotten 300 wins before. Belichick is climbing up. I think he'll get there. He's 67 years old. I think he'll keep coaching at least another three, three to five years. Yeah, I think he has a chance to uh, get number one, but he's got to do at least three years, I think. Right. Um, all right, victim of the dynasty. Um, David, you went with this one. You picked this one this week. I'm surprised you didn't go with Nick Chubb. Yeah, Nick Chubb had a couple of embarrassing fumbles, but had such a huge game otherwise that I couldn't call him the victory. He would be cut or whatever, benched, if he was on the Patriots for fumbling twice. But any other place, they look at the fantasy points, they're like, okay, he, he got a touchdown, 130-something yards. He, he did pretty good against the Patriots defense. But uh, I would say the victim of the dynasty was Jarvis Landry. Mostly, he did get shut down pretty badly. He only got five catches for like 56 yards or something. But he said, we're going to win when when set, talking about, you know, the upcoming game against the Patriots. And it was interpreted by the media as a guarantee. And he eventually had to backtrack. Not a good look, Jarvis, saying, oh, it's more of a mindset that we thought we were going to win. I'm not a guarantee. So he didn't want to look like he uh, messed up a guarantee. <laughs> you know, you know, who I think is really the victim of the dynasty, though, is uh, who? Odell Beckham Jr. Um, didn't have a terrible game, didn't have a good game, but gave Tom Brady goat haired cleats after the game. I don't know if you saw this. I did see um, that. And Tom threw them to his equipment manager, which I think is one of the more. Uh, hilarious things that's ever happened on an NFL field. It's amazing. Um, and I think it's hilarious. I don't know. Like we, he loves us, I guess. So that's cool. Or at least he loves TB 12. How can you not? Yeah. How could you not? He's amazing. Sure. TB 12 studies OBJ's game as well. All right, David, do you have any nitpicks from this week? Yeah. We let the Browns score a Baker's dozen of points. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just what they do. They have Baker Mayfield. What are you going to do? Just got to score more than 13, and then you're good. And, yeah. yeah, the offensive line was just like Swiss cheese out there. That's my only nitpick. Yeah, the offensive line was a little rough. Um, they do have a pretty good front. I think I'd say it's probably the strongest part of the Browns team is their defensive line. So there's that. Like, Miles Garrett's really good. Um but Marshall Newhouse, that he got absolutely housed. <laughs> yeah, he got roasted on an open fire like a chestnut. All right, let's go players to watch next week. What do you got? Jamie Collins, baby. Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins, seven miss. 
James Collins. That's right, Southern Miss. Yep, I, I think he's going to have the duty of spying Lamar Jackson quite a bit on defense this week, and that's a very tough assignment. Lamar Jackson is my starting fantasy quarterback, and he has been an amazing fantasy quarterback, I must say, even though I also drafted Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson has been a better choice out there. And uh, Jamie Collins, I almost made him my uh, defensive player of the week, but he did have 13 tackles and a sack and a half against Cleveland. So He really is having an incredible season. You got to look out for Jamie Collins every week. That's your that's like your best call, dude. You were so right about that. It's unbelievable. I'm very stoked to have him back. He he looks like the same animal but a different beast. Yeah, um my player to watch I did not write one down. But it is a duel between Mohamed Sanu and Nikhil Harry. They're both uh kind of being added into this offense, you know. Sanu obviously practiced once and played last week, but I'm not sure how much he really knew. And so um, we're going to see him after a full week of practice. We get to see Nikhil Harry after a couple weeks of practice, which is really exciting. And I think we're going to start to see a evolving Patriots offense in a cool way. Thanks to the addition to some talented playmakers to that, uh, that receiving field. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Um, and more. this is obviously the biggest game of the season. I'm really excited for it. We've got a, a good Baltimore team coming in. Obviously, Lamar Jackson has been playing very well. Luckily for us, their secondary is terrible. They traded for Marcus Peters um, a couple weeks ago. I'm not a Marcus Peters fan, um, but he does get a lot of interceptions. He's kind of Asante Samuel-like in terms of interception to getting burned ratio. I think TB12 will roast him. Yeah, we've never had a problem with Marcus Peters when he was on the Chiefs, um, really. We kind of have attacked him a fair bit, actually. So I'm not too worried about that. But I do think it's a good good matchup. Interestingly, um, Baltimore has done a really incredible job against the Patriots in the playoffs, but in the regular season, Tom Brady is eight and one against the Ravens. So this is a matchup that in the regular season has been dominated by the Pats. And I think it's going to be interesting to see yet again, you know, what's going to happen here as two really good teams. This is the first big test. I'd say, I'd say most people thought the Browns was going to be a big test and they obviously suck ass. So um, it's going to be exciting to see the Pats play a playoff team. Right. Assumedly, the Ravens will win their division. At least it looks that way so far. Steelers could surprise people, I guess. But uh, Ravens are not favored in this game, although they are at home. It's the closest game by the odds, if you ever look at those things, uh, as far as any game so far this season. About a three and a half Patriots favored odds to start. So I think it is going to be a, probably a pretty close game. Um, want to do predictions for this one, Zach? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Patriots 33, Browns 21. I think it's they're going to score more than other teams have against us, but I still think at the end of the day, 
that it's going to be a, a Patriots win. I, I just think this is a defense that Lamar Jackson definitely hasn't played. And this Ravens defense isn't intimidating to me. I think we're going to be able to attack it and move the ball. This isn't, you know, this isn't our Ravens defense from when we were younger and they were, they had Ray Lewis and uh, Terrell Suggs and all these, those monsters. They're significantly depleted. So I think the Pats are going to be able to score a lot. And while I respect the Baltimore offense a lot, I don't think they're going to be able to score as much as the Patriots. Yep. I think they will not be able to score as much as the Patriots either. But I do think Lamar Jackson is a beast, and I think that he's going to get into the end zone at least once, and I hope it's on the ground because I get more fantasy points for that. So I'm going to say the Patriots are going to win this one 28-16. Ooh. Yeah. 16 is a good score. How do you think they're going to get to 16? Are you going to score two touchdowns and go for two? No, they're going to get three field goals and a touchdown. All right, all right. I like it. Yep. All right, swag alert. Swag alert! It's Halloween, so there's a lot of uh, swag going on this time of year. Patriots hosted a Halloween party for 40 pediatric cancer patients and were in costume. Pretty sweet costumes, including Mario, uh, Luigi, um, lots of good classic cartoon characters. Buzz Lightyear was there as well. Nice. Yep. TB12 was a stormtrooper for Halloween today. He posted on social media, Thursday practice notes, Brady QB did not practice, refused to take off stormtrooper helmet. Hashtag happy Halloween. Uh, Brady was, uh, he was not limited in practice today, but he was on the injury report. Yeah. His throwing shoulder. So hopefully he wasn't getting too wild with his uh, star Wars play around the house, running around trying to be a stormtrooper. Yeah, he was probably cocking the gun back to reload all those nerf pellet things. He's definitely the most pliable stormtrooper of all time, and probably the most accurate as well. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Stormtroopers are not known for their accuracy. Not, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, David. Well, let's uh, move on to the Bruins here. Why don't you give us, since you're our Bruins guy, give us a little rundown of the start of this Bruins season and who's hot and who's not, because. Well, I've watched a little bit. I've only watched a few games, and I'd love to hear your perspective. Oh, yeah. Bruins are hot right now. The Bruins have nine wins, 20 points through the first 12 games. They are at the top of the Eastern Conference. They are crushing right now, mostly on the back of their first-line scoring. So, Pasta, Bergeron, Marshawn, you know the same names. They're back. And they're scoring at an elite clip right now. So they're scoring on the power play. That's our PP1 line. They're scoring on the uh, first line all the time. And Bergie is crushing, winning a bunch of face-offs. Probably the Selkie Award uh, final or, or uh, leader right now. Poster is leading the league, not only in carbohydrates, but also in goals and points. So... It's wonderful to watch. They have amazing chemistry. Krejci had an injury for a while and is back, and now he's going to integrate it into that 1A spot that we love him in, and uh, the Bruins look pretty good. They're a little bit top-heavy, so their their scoring is not really coming from anywhere else except for that top line, but for now, that's been enough, especially since Tuka Rask 
has been lights out. He's leading the NHL in almost all goaltending stats. Uh, Halak also looks good. He's won three out of his four games and uh, pitched a shutout. You know, Tuca has a couple shutouts. So they look pretty good. The uh, penalty kill, that that maybe has not looked as elite as the rest of the game. So that would be, I guess, my nitpick as far as the Bruins go. But Nordstrom is out. He has an elbow infection. And uh, Cassidy says he just needs to let it calm down. So that's what we're doing right now. So yeah, far, I mean, good. they're playing like the defending Stanley Cup champs, right? Or uh, not champs, but... They were in the Stanley Cup. Sorry, sorry, Bruins. I know Eastern that was, Conference was exactly that's what I meant. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're one of the best teams, and they're showing it. They're playing like it, and that's what you want to see. I mean, I think it's early, so like it's good that there's really not much more to take away other than that they're doing well. <laughs> awesome. Yep. <laughs> yep got got some good games coming up. Playing the Penguins and then the Canadians. And then uh, got the matchup against the Leafs coming up in mid-November. So I think it's uh, it's been a good season, to say the least, so far. And go Bruins. A lot of swagglers for the Bruins. They really get into a Halloween. So the Patriots, they rarely go out for Halloween. It took Randy Moss to get Bill Belichick out for Halloween. But uh, swag alert for the Bruins is pretty much endless Almost all of them got out there, did something in the community in costume. They dressed up as Toy Story characters and really went ham. They had eight different dudes being Toy Story characters from all the various Toy Stories, including old and new. A lot of funny ones. They also, Zdeno Chara revealed on his Instagram a massive Halloween party where they had a bunch of Bruins players and they were not in their Toy Story costumes. They were mixing it up and doing different costumes and a lot of really, really funny ones. Jack and Brick uh, was Grizz and Clifton. Bergie was Wayne from Wayne's World. Tuka Raff <laughs> dressed up as Wonder Woman. And Brad Marks is awesome. uh, Eleven from... Uh, from Stranger Things, there was a couple of Stranger Things characters. I can't really tell who everyone is because their costumes are so good. But uh, a very, very funny picture. There's a couple of people from Dodgeball, one of my favorite movies. That is a fantastic film. Yeah. Yeah, Halloween is a great time for swag. It sure is. It sure is. One of the All best. right. Well, let's move on to uh, our third team here. Celtics. Also, you know, not too much to talk about here. The big note, they're 3-1, coming out of a big win in Milwaukee last night, turning a 19-point deficit into a comfortable double-digit win. Um, the Celtics have re-signed Jalen Brown to a four-year, $115 million um, contract extension that kicks in next year. Fuck yeah. Um, it has $103 million guaranteed. Uh, or... Not it has a I think ninety seven million guaranteed and hundred and three million is like basically guaranteed likely and to then, be and then there's twelve million in incentives that are that are performance based that uh, that have to do I think with all NBA teams and a couple and all star teams and a couple other things like that um so I'd love to get your thoughts on that contract um it's obviously pretty big a lot of people mm. were shocked at the number um I think personally it's at the high end of his worth but 
he's a good player. What do you think? Well, the wonderful thing about these rookie extensions is that it doesn't eat into your cap anyways. So this is all just coming out of the ownership's pockets, basically. This is this is like funny money that we can just play with as fans. So I, I don't care what they pay him, honestly. It's like baseball. Like, who cares what John Henry is going to shell out for these guys? There's no salary cap. And with the rookie extensions, there's basically no salary cap. They're going to count the same against the cap no matter what. So... I love this move. I think you had to lock him up. I think the free agent market is drying up as far as this upcoming season goes. So some team was going to max him. And this is a little bit less than that max contract. Um, And I think it is a good amount of money. And he has a sky-high potential as an athlete, as a defensive player. He he could easily make an all-defensive team. And... uh, I would not be surprised for him to see him make like an all NBA third team or something. So I think it's a great contract both for the team and for the player. I don't think it's too high. Um, Some other teams were able to sign their, their guys for less, you know, near the the same time. And I don't really think that it matters because Jalen Brown is our guy. He's wicked smart. He is an ambassador for the league, and uh, I think he's, he's going to be really good. I love to see him driving the ball. He's been attacking the rack this year, 10-plus drives per game for JB, as well as Hayward, Walker, Tatum. Uh, but, yeah, he, he looks great out there. He's also splashing the three, so keep it up, JB. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, like, his value. It's It's – Based on his play now, I'd say it is the upper end of his value. But given that it doesn't kick in until after this season, so it kicks in next season, um, you know, it's not unreasonable to think that he'd get paid a significant amount more than that. You know, Jamal Murray's making $47 million. I don't know how good Jamal Murray is. Um that's crazy. Yeah, it's a hundred. He got a five-year, one hundred seventy million dollar contract. So, this is kind of the going rate for a guy like this at his age, with his you know athletic potential. And I agree. I think this is the last sort of five years have been a really weird nether period of the Celtics, where we've gone from the big three and transitioned to the Brad Stevens era. We had a a tank year. We got Marcus Smart. Um, we got the Isaiah Thomas era, where those uh, two years and a half years, which were pretty fun, made it to the playoffs a couple times, made some noise. Um, then there was the Kyrie Irving era, which obviously started hot and ended in disaster. Um, I'm also interested to get your thoughts on that later. Um, but now I think we're seeing where there was this sort of nether world that we were in where every time a big name came up the celtics were first in the conversation for a trade they had all of these assets blah 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 they kind of turned the assets into players and now we're just trying to develop those players and i think that's just the course that this team is setting for at least this and probably next season and i think you have to keep jalen brown happy if you want him to be a part of that yeah you have to keep him happy and you have to keep him gelling with jason tatum 
and you know that's going to be your core and you've basically added Kemba Walker to this core and uh it's awesome I love Kemba Walker I think he's much better than Kyrie so so far it's only four games small sample size but it's a good core and you add uh Gordon Hayward who all of a sudden looks like he could be fully healthy again and like the old Gordon Hayward he's aggressive he is you know draining mid-range jumpers he he isn't I, I don't know he, I think he looks pretty good honestly yeah I think there was definitely one of the things that was interesting about the Celtics going into the season is that there was a pretty high variance for where they could end up you know they could have been like just above mediocre or they could be really good you know like if Tatum and Brown both take a little leap if Hayward is healthy then they're going to be pretty awesome, you know? Like, those are some talented players. They oh. Celtics had four players score 20 points. Actually, Marcus Smart, I think, ended up with 19, but they had basically four players score 20 points last night, and Jalen Brown didn't even play. Um, yeah, their, their bench, bench scored eight points. Yeah, and, and they beat, uh, you know, the one of the best two teams in the East. So I think this team has a really high ceiling, um, that they could still reach. And I think the only takeaway, real takeaway I have is a center is going to kind of be a work in progress and it's going to be interesting to watch, but it's the least important position. And this is going to be a fun season. (laughs) Like I really like this team. Me too. And I like Daniel Tice. I think he, he did an admirable job at center. And I think against Giannis, Marcus Smart did a wonderful job at center as well. Yeah, I think, you know, it's like a lot of teams where you have a piecemeal center position. You know, the Warriors won a title starting Andrew Bogut, uh, and they just sort of have had, you know, Kevon Looney, Festus Azili, all these sort of random lumbering centers that they just plug in around talented playmakers. So I definitely think that development from Robert Williams – and some play, you know, some continuing good play from Tice, maybe a little bit from Vincent Poirier, then, you know, it's enough. It's enough to fill out around four really talented players with the ball in their hands. And get a little bit of Grant Williams action when, when you want to go a little smaller. And I do think eventually Grant Williams is going to become that crunch time small ball center. Um, or possibly like him and Tatum kind of splitting center-like duties on defense. So that's going to be fun to watch. I, I think there's a lot of possibilities with this roster, thanks to the versatility of all the pieces. Me too. I'm excited about it. Taco, unfortunately, is not traveling and playing with the team. He is back up in Portland with Tremont Waters. They're, they started their camp, training camp. Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Gotta be cold up there this time of year. I care so little about the taco fall thing. Uh, I feel crazy because everyone loves it, but I'm just like, whatever. I don't feel positive or negatively about it. Wow. Yeah. You been bitten by the taco bug? No. I mean, I ate tacos last night, but... Yeah. I'm all about that taco life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh, do you want to talk about Marcus Smart's love of Red Panda? Because love, I don't know. Marcus Smart trash was talk trash about Red Panda. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "Yeah, but there ain't no defense on her. Match me up against her, and she don't land no goals." 
Red Panda, as you know, is the woman who rides a huge unicycle, a massively tall unicycle, and balances and kicks bowls onto her head in a stacking pattern um, that's pretty remarkable and unique. And very entertaining. The, the Celtics had Red Panda at their halftime show uh, last night against the Bucks, and she was impressing, as always. And Marcus Smart was saying that he could D up on her. Yeah, I mean, he could. It wouldn't be that hard. She's on a unicycle. <laughs> I do like the note that Danny Ainge said in an interview that uh, Celtics always pick Marcus Smart first and pick up games because no one wants to play against him. I think that is the most Marcus Smart thing ever. You can see him just trying so hard and pick up, right? Being a pest. Yeah, Great. exactly. I love Marcus. Love to see him splashing the threes. I know he doesn't turn it off, you know? No need. Yeah. Um, all right, swag alert. Yeah, I, I mean the swagged out guy at the Celtics game was Paul Pierce on the sidelines, giving yeah. out fives, looking fresh as hell. Kind of surprised I, he didn't wear a green jacket, but I guess he's not a golfer. I just uh, loved the play where Tatum hit the very Paul Pierce esque step back three, uh, and then immediately got a huge high five from Paul Pierce. That was tug my heartstrings a little bit there very fitting and yeah it was like the passing of the torch right there in that high five yeah uh lots of other swag alerts canada goose made a custom the largest ever jacket you know one of those thousand dollar jackets and they gave it to taco fall <laughs> I, I thought you'd love that's that. awesome that's pretty great those jackets are so expensive dude that jacket was probably like $4,000. Imaginably, yeah. It's more material because he's a bigger dude. Celtics also all released their favorite uh, Halloween candies. So um, you can look at that if you care, but I, I'm not going to list off all of them. Zach, what's your favorite Halloween candy? Um, you know, it kind of changes, but right now I've been really digging the Milky Way Midnights with the dark chocolate. Nice. Yeah, those things are extremely addicting. Talk about a good late night snack. I'm all about the Reese's life. Anything yeah. butter, but uh, but I mean Reese's are like the best candy. Like I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and then our last swag alert, of course, is the uh, hilarious jerseys leaked by Enos Cantor's terrible phone camera, which, which allegedly are not actually teal but are green and gold and appear to be an homage to every Irish pub in Boston's logo. Very weak font. Definitely hand-drawn by a child. It's bad. It's bad. But it's like an Irish pub, uh, a place that's trying to be an Irish pub. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what the jersey looks like. It's Really not a huge fan. No, me neither. I'm not going to be getting one of these jerseys. Yeah, I'm not going to be purchasing one. Although I am sure all of the Irish pubs in Boston will and hang one on the wall. Oh, my gosh. How could you have to have one? It would be a requirement. Every bar that's like, you know, Celtic, Hideaway, (laughs) 
Celtic something. There's so many bars that have that in their uh, name. Gotta have the Paddy's Pub jersey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, that seems like a good time to transition to the least newsworthy team here. The not even making the playoffs Red Sox. Yeah, with yeah. A very uncertain future ahead of them. So it's really like not, there's not much to talk about other than some hires. We hired Chaim Bloom. Is that how you say it? Heim. Chaim Bloom. Heim? Ah, uh, yes. Yes, I believe it's Heim. He's been keeping mum so far on uh, any moves. So he's not talking about anything, but very seasonal of him. Hopefully, like the mum, he will bloom in spring. I don't, know when nice. I don't know when mums bloom. Well, the, uh, yeah, Haim, I think it, it, it came from the Tampa Bay Rays, and he, he was pretty impressive. He's young, so uh, hopefully he's not going to be too tight-fisted, and it will be extending our boys, J.D. and Mookie. And in my opinion, I think he should re-sign Brock Holt as well. Yeah, so... He was the assistant GM in the race. He's much more analytical minded. He's more of a, he's more in the Theo Epstein direction than it, than the Dave Dombrowski direction. Um, he seems like a really smart guy, and I think the big question is going to be what does John Henry want to do with this team? Um, I don't. Do we have to resign JD this year? I thought that was a team option. Uh, I'll take a look, but. I mean, I would say that now is the time. You got to start re-signing these bros. Yeah, I mean, if Mookie, if they don't re-sign Mookie, I just am losing all faith in the Red Sox. Like, find a way to dump payroll elsewhere. He's he's a former MVP. You can't just not pay him. JD has an opt-out clause each of the next three seasons. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I think the most newsworthy thing to be honest, is that the Yankees did not appear in a single word series in the 2010s. Yeah, really great decade, I would say. One of my favorite in baseball. Red Sox won two World Series. Patriots won three Super Bowls. Bruins won a uh, Stanley Cup. Really good decade. Yeah, it was. was. Uh, And now we're on to the 20s. The The roaring 20s. Heck yeah. Dave Bush was hired also as a pitching coach. He's uh, another analytical-minded guy, so I think he's going to fit right in with the new world of the Red Sox. Yeah, that's pretty much everything we got. Swaggler, Red Sox Swaggler. Uh, Michael Chavis during Game 7 tweeted, I know Game Seven's going on right now, but I seriously can't wait to wear my ba- Batman costume tomorrow. And... Uh, he wore it, sure enough, and it's a hilarious, really good costume. Love the ice horse. Brock Holt, also, who I guess is a free agent now. I don't know if we even call him a... Yeah, we'll see. Like like I said, we'll see. <laughs> he had an adorable family photo shoot. Um, like, just, you know, a New England autumn in the leaves photo shoot. Uh Really cute child. I would love to see us re-sign Brock Holt. Not for that reason, but because I think these utility players who have the flexibility to go at multiple positions can be a good pinch runner, can be a good fielder in the infield and outfield. I think you've got to keep some of those guys on the team 
um, it uh, offers you a lot of, you know, movement in your lineup card that you otherwise don't have. So I love Brock Holt. I think that he's he's worth a contract in the range of like $6 million a year or so. Yeah, I would, I would say so. He's, uh, he's going to be, yeah, he's an important player. And I think, um, you know, it's going to, I want to see the Red Sox continue to compete for world series. So I would like to, for them to keep their best players, you know? Sure. So Mookie and uh, JD are a higher priority to re-sign than Brock Holt. But Brock Holt is now a free agent. So Yeah, but I feel like those deals are easier to get done. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's a smaller number. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right. Well, I think that's, uh, you know, that's most of the news. The Red Sox, we're going to see what happens. It's kind of a wait and see game here. Yep, and everyone else is in season. This is a really exciting time for Boston sports. Uh, so keep watching, and we'll keep podcasting. We'll be back with a review of the Patriots at least after the uh, Ravens game on Sunday, and then we'll probably continue to talk about these other teams that are kicking butt. Heck yeah, let's until, go Boston. Yeah, until then, David, I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Happy Halloween, y'all. Yes, indeed, y'all. Hope everyone had a happy and safe Halloween and is eating lots of candy. Nothing like candy. That, what did uh, Belichick say? Costumes and candy? How can you beat that? You can't. Exactly. Peace out, y'all. All right. Later, bro. Dynasty.